Welcome to Gin and Topic. I'm Sarah. And I'm Anya. And every week we seek to learn a little bit of something about absolutely anything. All with the help from experts and rather a lot of gin. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. (laughs) Series four. Hello and welcome to Series 4, my dancing shoulders. Uh, I just can't believe we're on Series 4. I can't believe we keep doing this to ourselves. <laughs> Glutton for banishment. Oh, Not well, it's only going to get more complicated to keep doing them now, Sarah, so it's really going to be a punishment. I know, because yeah. then I'll just have to keep chasing you around the country. That's true. Life update for everybody. Uh, I finished my Masters! Woo, woo, Yay! Woo, 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 woo. And I have a full-time job in retail, which means I'm going to be in Bristol all the time and possibly not coming back from holidays. So we don't know what we're going to do recording schedule-wise, but we're going to figure it out. We will find some way, somehow. We'll find some way. But for now, we've series got four. Series 4. Yay! And we've got tons of really interesting topics in Series 4. Yeah. Do you want a little sneaky preview? No, I just no. want you to tell me about today because otherwise okay. I'll get overwhelmed. I've got true. a lot going on in my life very still, true. Sarah. I'm a very busy person. Can't have you overwhelmed. No. Right, so today we are talking to Dr. Shima Barakat. Mm-hmm. And I hope I've pronounced her ra- name right. Yep. Dr. Shima Barakat is the director of the Entrepreneurship for Sustainability Programme at the University of Cambridge. So she is an entrepreneur director and an entrepreneurship educator. Okay. She has supported over 200 startups. That's a lot of startups. 350 entrepreneurial women through her structured programs. Okay, so I'm I'm sensing there might be some talk about women in business. Possibly. Okay. And her work for the last 25 years has focused on helping organisations and, fingers in the air, start right. Right. Or develop their practices to embed sustainability at the heart of what they do. So it's sustainability in business, basically. Absolutely. Okay. Um, She is also the co-founder and director of a number of ventures, including the most recent, which is the Impact Women's Network. So our topic is... Leading for sustainability. Okay. Sounds like a political motivation speech already, but good. And here's for some more business terms. Our question, what do we need to lead a transformation towards sustainable systems? Oh, Jesus. It sounds like when dad gets talking about work. Do you know, that's exactly what I thought. (laughs) Because it's just transformation, isn't it? I'll get my people to revert back to your people. Don't ever revert, revert back, back to anyone. <laughs> Reverting does it itself. Oh, um, it's ju- it's W1A on steroids, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. If you haven't watched W1A, listeners, please oh, do. Dude. Brilliant BBC comedy series. So more, good. So good. It is. I think, could you imagine W1A uh, basically in a transformation business? Um, we need to do less of what we're doing worse and more of what we do better. Well, that's Head exactly of betterment. what everyone is talking about at the moment, isn't it? How are we going to build back better? Oh, new normal. Yeah. New normal. How are we going to build the new normal better than it was before? Well, okay. Let's see how many <laughs> phrases we can get into this. Or yes, no, rather, brilliant. we will get Shima to yeah. talk our language. Yeah, because the minute this stuff starts, I'm like, I'm out, I'm out. 
and not the sort of entrepreneurship training programmy sustainable how many times can i say the words wanky bollocks in one episode (laughs) it's good to be back well every time you do i'll have a drink oh but but it won't be an alcoholic drink it won't we won't be falling over today because we are drinking a non-alcoholic a tropical um, non-alcoholic In the last spirit. series, we had a really good non-alcoholic we did. one. One that I took back to Bristol with me, I enjoyed I so much. You actually chose to I take did, it back. Because... because I was trying to do a non-alcohol time because yeah. we drank a lot of alcohol last series. Yes, yes. So, well, we're starting strong. Yeah. With the non-alcoholic. And it looks beautiful. So anyway, it looks pretty. It is called the Caleno. Calenio. To me, the look of it says light tequila. Yeah. It's a light and zesty tropical non-alcoholic spirit. Delicious. And their serving suggestion, I have to really pair it because it's, it's really tiny small. writing, is a, a live... Oh, no, that's not... That's the wrong side. Here we go. Got the right side now. How to enjoy. Pour 50 ml of Calenio over ice, top with tonic and garnish... With a tropical Inca berry. Have you got a tropical Inca no, berry? No, we've in got no garnish with us. We haven't. No. No tropical. We're going garnishlessless. That's because I didn't know what you'd substitute for a tropical Inca I don't berry. Know. It's not something that I'm... That sounds very Nigella to me. You know, just nip down to your local Waitrose and get a tropical Inca berry. <laughs> and then put them in your microwave. Microwave. <laughs> Ooh, it smells very tropically. Ooh. Oh, that smells like a... VK. Mm. And we're pairing this one with Fever Tree Mediterranean Tonic Water because it sounded like it would go with that. Ching, ching. Cheers. Cheers. That's a fizzy juice. Oh, it's quite a nice fizzy juice. And it's lovely. It's not, it doesn't it's got taste. nothing to do with the gin. The other one tasted a bit ginny. This one is just a mm. tropical mango-y juice that's clear with some bubbles. Yeah. And it's tasty. It's not, not a gin. gin. But I'm not opposed to it. But I am going to enjoy drinking it, unlike mm. others that we have tried that gross. we've just. But I would to throw want away. it in a tall glass with some slices of orange and lots of ice. Yeah. That's fine. <clears throat> so let's let Shima in and we'll have a chat. Right, we're ready with all the technical <laughs> stuff. Next, we've got the gin, and you have chosen a Calino. So tell me about it. So I've been experimenting with non-alcoholic uh, gins to be more inclusive and have adult drinks that yeah you can have with everyone. But also I have a teenager who likes uh, cocktails, so having something that the whole family can enjoy together. So we've tried a few, but that one's been the nicest. It really is mm. fruity, lemony, and is amazing on tonics. Mm. Well, yeah. I'm I'm think I'm about halfway down. You've, mine been, already. you've been glugging yours, Sarah Cruz. Yeah. It's just gone. I really like it. Just on ice with a Mediterranean tonic. Yeah. And it does feel like I'm having a sort of fruity pop type thing. It's really weird. <laughs> But it's not really, really sweet. It's no, not it's like a good a, level of sweet. Yeah, yeah it's, it's not a like a tropical, drink. fizzy drink. No. A proper grown-up drink. 
Yeah, and like one of the ones you get, like the purdy waters where you drink it and you're like, oh, this is a bit bougie, this yeah. one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it does. And yours looks a bit pink. It's the bitters tonic. Yeah, lovely. And have you made cocktails with it as well then? Uh, mostly it's been this, um, but a variety of uh, tonics. We've had mm-hmm. it with um, elderflower tonic, the Mediterranean tonic and the bitters tonic. Mm, nice. nice. Which one was your favorite then? The bitters. The bitters. Because not only is it the color, it's visually pleasing, but a bit like you were saying, it even takes further off the sweetness and it yeah. gives it that nice little bitter taste, makes it even more of a grown up drink. Mm. Yeah. Nice. nice. And I could imagine you could also pair it with ginger ale quite nicely as well. Oh, that's one of the ones we keep meaning to do is doing a gin with ginger ale. Mm. We just haven't yet. Not on the podcast no i haven't done it full stop oh i have oh okay. i have quite a few times because when you've Sorry. taken all the good gin to <laughs> bristol uh, and i'm left with the ones I, we haven't particularly liked two last time and one of them is non-alcoholic so shut your trap <laughs> <laughs> and we were saying what was interesting is we have had a non-alcoholic one in the last series um but it was very much a gin it was mm. it was a non-alcoholic trying to be a yeah, gin and it was and it, close to it gin it did close yeah. get close and succeeded whereas this is a lot more tropically it's a different drink it isn't like a gin tonic but it's it's really nice it's nice i like it so they do a, this one's the light and zesty they do a dark and spicy and that one's lovely with ginger ale but it's mm. more like spicy rum than gin yeah 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 Ooh, nice interesting. lovely stuff oh. right we are going to drink this uh, with Cheers. talking about the topic Cheers. Cheers, of leading for sustainability. And we've got a question of what do we need to lead a transformation towards sustainable systems? Right. Okay. See, Shima, you may <laughs> relax and drink. We are going to spend hours telling you what we know about this. Subject. It won't take long. Won't take long at all. <laughs> no, no. So, what do we know? Can Trans- we break it down? Okay. Let's break <laughs> Let's it down. Imagine you're an English teacher for a moment. Break it down for me. Break it down. So, breaking down the question or the title or both? They're both. Both. Leading. Okay, makes sense to me, you know. Anya, when she was about seven I cannot in help any being a natural-born leader, okay? <laughs> Everyone playing okay. I'm meant there we to go. be. So, that's leading. Yeah. Sustainability. We've had a lot of chats about sustainability we on the podcast. Have. I feel like I'm well versed in sustainability at the yeah. moment. And we we love it. Yeah. It's a good thing. It is. Yeah. We do lots. So we we've got quite a lot on sustainability. Leading for sustainability. I think that's just me in the family going. Yes. Don't Leading throw it away. away. Okay, so our question, what do we need to lead? I'm okay there. Yeah. This is then when we get into difficulty. Uh-huh. A transformation, all I can think of, are the teen films <laughs> of, I was going of the, the ugly over. girl into the pretty girl. I was and, going for Centrinian's oh. one where they turn Annabelle Fritton into <laughs> Annabelle Fritton. Anyway. Um, transformation towards sustainable systems. Okay, so it's making systems already in place more sustainable through good leadership. 
Ooh, you sound quite knowledgeable. Did I, did I do it? Yeah. <laughs> the only issue I have, I have no idea what, what systems. Or are. how you lead the way with those systems. No, because systems could be all sorts. Could be anything. I mean, we've just been having IT problems. So you've got IT systems. Yeah. And now I'm down in the basement with the IT crowd. <laughs> <laughs> Have you tried turning it on off again? <laughs> and the internet's in a box. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Jen, you broke the internet. Jen. We we can't go down this rabbit hole. If we do no, that, we, we don't get anything done. Um. So in terms of leading for sustainability, I think you just. Do I can it. understand it. Would I know how to do it? No, no. And I no. can imagine it wouldn't be quite. As easy as, as you we would can think make it be. sound by going, it's this. Yeah, yeah you just yeah. do it because I think there'd be lots of things that are yeah. really like embedded yeah. into the way people do things. I mean, just, just the way we've just always get, done yeah. it. Just trying to get people to recycle in, it must be quite difficult in offices or whatever way. You've just got mm. a bin next to your desk and you're used to throwing things in them. <laughs> okay, so. How do we need to lead a transformation towards sustainable systems? We don't know. <laughs> Did <laughs> that give you anything to work is going to tell us what we can do. I'm slightly glad you don't know. I mean, we need lots of people to know for that transformation to happen. But if you didn't know, then you wouldn't need me here. That's <laughs> true. So I'm very impressed with how far you got with decon constructing that. I think you picked up all the main points. And indeed, it has to be a transformation, i.e. doing things like we've never done them before. It isn't just tweaking them, so to speak, but actually doing things significantly different. And there are no real easy answers. We don't know what to do. And systems are complex things i was going to say complex structures but let's just keep them as uh Use oh the yeah words. yeah we yeah. like the small yeah. words we like it made simple imagine we are intelligent 10 year olds and that's about the level i love it because i would normally say an intelligent 12 year old but i love the fact that we've lost two years when i'm here we've so- lost two years <laughs> so you know Systems are really when there are different parts of a thing, whether it's a machine or it's people or nature, there are different parts that have to work together. And it isn't linear. It isn't one thing that does one thing and something else does it something after that and you can just follow it. Systems are really when they all, everybody does their own thing. And collectively, it really is like the adage of the sum is so much, what is it? The whole is so much more than the sum of the parts. Yeah. And so with systems, you push on one end and you're never quite sure what's going to come out on the other mm. end. And at the moment, as humans, we seem to have so complicated our lives that everything's mm. intertwined and we have absolutely no idea where we can push or what we can do. But we can see that the end result is we're destroying our planet. People aren't healthy. People aren't happy. And so even now we've just had COP26 that everybody's trying to commit to even just climate action. We haven't even gotten into biodiversity or saving the animals or anything, just reducing the temperature of the planet. And everyone's going, oh, yeah, this is really a good idea. How are we going to do this? (laughs) And so kind of looking at it in its entirety becomes Mm -hmm. even more difficult. But 
What I'm trying to say with leading for sustainability is that we all can lead. We can lead in orbit. We can lead in little part. We can lead in big part. We don't have to lead a government mm. to actually mm. make an impact. But just as you were saying, moving to a shampoo bar rather than the shampoo bottles, or even if you're really wedded to your bottles, go back to the go to the refillable. I do do that. I do that. <laughs> Give me credit. <laughs> And so that would be you changing a little, some of your practices, but it's not really leading for sustainability. Leading for sustainability is understanding more about it and speaking to your friends. And then there's 10, 15 of you that are actually doing it. You're buying things as a cooperative. You're having events on your street. You're just kind of mm -hmm. building that mm -hmm. momentum that's come from a kernel of one of your ideas. So, and it could be just down at recycling. And we've seen it with people who are recycling uh, waste and making sure that the waste we put out of our houses is reduced. We haven't seen it in the UK, but we have seen it in um, particularly the Netherlands where it was streets that took, on, took it up on themselves to organize for recycling. And then they taught the streets on either side mm -hmm. and the streets on either side. Right? And then you had a whole region that was doing it. And it's that sort of thing. But essentially, what it means is we need to think about things differently. We're never going to do things differently if we don't think about them differently. So we mm. need that different. And here comes a keyword, a mindset. <laughs> we need to think <laughs> about things differently and it needs to be really ingrained. And at first it takes a bit of an effort. We have to remind ourselves. I still have to remind myself, you know, I was just buying some shampoo and I was about to kind of click the usual ones. There were some nice things that were coming up in bottles. And I went, no, no, I've moved to the bar since the summer. Must remember that we're only buying bars now. And sometimes it is just so easy to fall back into habits, but that's okay. We all make mistakes. You pick yourself up and you kind of try and do better. And I love the adage of do the best you can with what you know and then when mm. you know better do better mm. and so we need to work on ourselves and others and uh, spread mm -hmm. it so that's kind of really what I'm kind of meaning by leading and transformation mm. Mm. and that could be really di difficult I think because I mean I know we um, have just having uh, changing the way we do things we've got a refill shop and so we, I, I, I say we, I go. I go to my one in Bristol. <laughs> you go to your one. But just, you know, uh, putting everything into my basket, all the, all the bottles and everything, and then taking it all down and refilling it and bringing it all back um, takes longer than sitting on, uh, not sitting on a, a tablet or a computer, but <laughs> sitting down do with a tablet and just clicking on the things on a supermarket app to that would have it then delivered. And so there has to then be a commitment, a desire, a drive to do something that could take longer, could be a bit more difficult than just doing the easy um, thing. So how, how does that come into leadership then? Because is it all about the, that, how you're leading to help other people do things that aren't so easy? So I'm going to disagree slightly. Oh, okay. Ooh. Good. I'm, 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 I'm a big, big clicker. And so I think we live in very good times mm. where we can make choices and we can make changes that are not necessarily that much more difficult for us. 
So you're still clicking if you borrow bought you if you buy a bar versus a bottle. True. And it's going to be the same thing if you choose to buy in jars rather than in plastic bottles. And there are brands, um, um, Procter and Gamble with their um, Head and Shoulders does refills now. So you can also move towards still sticking with what you've always bought, but just mm. buying it differently. Simply buying bigger bottles rather than smaller ones, and then you can decant them into your own bottles, that sort of thing. So there's a lot that you can do that doesn't change what you're doing at all. And it's the same thing at work. And actually, when you go into work, a lot of the sustainability initiatives, if you're trying to recycle, reduce, reuse, is saving money. So you're actually doing a good thing for your business as well. If you're allowing your staff not to come into work, you're reducing their carbon emissions, you're reducing your office footprint, your electricity bills. So actually, it's not always harder. There's plenty mm. of low-lying fruit. And because we live in the times that we do, there's so many opportunities to just mm. replace what we do with the environmental and sustainable option. So there's a lot to be done. And when you do things collectively as well, you know, if you really wanted to go to your refill shop, it could be that 10 of you are doing it and only one of you goes to the store so you only have to go once in 10 weeks and is there an argument to be made that it's really important to be doing these things in business because individuals doing stuff on its own brilliant super helpful we love that but big businesses making big changes really helpful mm -hmm. we really love that mm -hmm. yes and that's my day job so absolutely i'm really on the same page with you but it needs the mindset of the people in those business because you need people at all levels of the business to buy into this so that nobody's trying to cut corners or someone who's huffy. And you want your people to all be spotting opportunities to be doing more and better. And then if you've got your, you know, let's, let's go right to the top. If you've got your CEO that wants to drive a change and they've got another buddy CEO that also wants to drive the change, Two CEOs with their organizations behind them is a phenomenal power mm. beyond one person and one CEO. But that's all it needs. One, two, three. We're not talking masses to really make a change, particularly if they're within the same geographical location. Then that area can see a dramatic difference. And that's a big part of leading for sustainability is for people to take that charge and take other people with them. And if you can do it at an organizational level, but it doesn't have to be only a business, it can be a charity, it can be local government, it can be a government, all these slightly kind of bigger you know, organizations in the true sense of the word it doesn't have to be a business, but where there are structures and people in place, and actually then you can drive change. Mm. And so tell us more about how that's happening and where it's happening well how it's going well and the things that are getting in the way because I can imagine that obviously there you know you can you can have all the best will in the world but it must be quite difficult sometimes with those systems to change them so tell us more about that so I've been doing this oh coming up to 25 years and when I started I was the nutcase <laughs> and I, I, I got my PhD in business strategy and the environment. And I went to our dean when I finished and asked for a job. And he said to me, oh, that's going to be difficult. You know, you know, the department's downsizing and we're really focusing on strategy. Mm. I said, yes. 
my PhD is in strategy and you're focusing in, in, on strategy, hence why I'd really like to continue working here. <laughs> and he said, ah, yes, but the environment is not a strategic issue. No. <laughs> <laughs> like, hmm, okay, are we going to debate the, the fact that you've just given me a PhD in this subject or the fact that it is, you know, going, I was so, I thought, okay, you know, this uphill struggle, let's go and find another one. So I went to work in another university that shall not be named where the dean of the business school there actually worked and did research in environmental issues. And when I proposed to him that we should be teaching MBAs, managers of the future about sustainability, he said to me, oh, that would be a bit difficult. I can't be seen to be pushing my own research agenda. (laughs) And then he says, and furthermore, I don't think MBAs are interested in sustainability. (laughs) They pay a lot of money to come here. We can't teach them stuff they don't want to learn. So that was what I was up against when I started. And by that point, you know, we're talking just the early 2000s. Mm. Now things have really changed. And in fact, I was just supervising a group of MBAs that did their final presentation today. And they were looking at brands and how they were doing sustainability. And the, the change is now being driven by new values and visions within the organizations. Mm. And it isn't by the customer. Because most businesses will tell you that, unfortunately, the customer isn't really paying with, you know, or voting with their feet and their money. There are plenty of truly sustainable customers, but the majority care and they fill out questionnaires and everything. And if they buy something that's plastic, it probably kind of hurts a little, but they'll Mm. still buy it if they like it or it's cheaper than something else. But this the thing, because being a student, for me, I, I obviously being raised by Sarah really care about sustainability I mean I'm making the track to fill up my shampoo bottles and but I also have to be really careful about how much I'm spending and Mm. I know for a fact that Mm. it's cheaper a lot of the time Mm. to make the less sustainable choice and Mm. when it comes down to that toss-up it does completely depend whether you have the money to make the more Mm. sustainable choice yeah and therefore it's really heartening to see that it's the brands that are doing it if you Mm. go on the H&M website for example they tell you they want to be fully sustainable and recyclable by 2030 and they're already at something like 68 percent and that's driven internally by them and just like other brands so I think that's really really uh good I did a little switch from working with the corporates when my heart and my head started to really hurt at the beginning of my career and I started working with entrepreneurs because remember Mm. I you know I said about how we needed a new mindset and where entrepreneurs, almost by definition, have a different mm-hmm. mindset. They want to do things differently. They, want to, they have some sort of new idea. And at the core of it, they see the world as it can be rather than as it is. Mm-hmm. And they forge a path through that. And if we want to create that transformation, we need to all be able to see the world as it can be, not as it is. And you picked up on a really good point about, oh, well, that's the way we've always done things. We've got to chuck that. We've got to kind of remove it like some old socks, put it that in the recycling and that's it. You know, <laughs> we don't want to see it again. Someone else can make use of it elsewhere because now we've really got to do things we've never done before to have results we've never seen before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that must be really hard as well, because, you know, there are so many things that we do that we don't yeah. even notice that we do them. Mm-hmm. It's just because it is the stuff that we've always done. So you just do it that way and you don't really notice that that's what you're doing. 
So having a completely different mindset, I suppose, getting getting them young, <laughs> getting them green. <laughs> yeah, starting right before you get sort of conditioned or pushed into um, a mold. And not doing it all at once. Mm. So really using more of a snowball technique. You start with something, you seed it, you build on it. You, As you said, you know, you get to know more, you do more. And really importantly, we need to all be pulling in the same direction. So in my space mm. of working with entrepreneurs, I find that I get them really early on. So we talk a lot about starting right. Mm. But then they meet their mentors, their industry mm. mentors. And the mentors aren't always pulling mm-hmm. in that direction. They kind of go, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, it's really important that we do this stability stuff. Well, why don't you put that to the side until your business is successful? Then you can pick <laughs> it up again. And you think, ah, well, by that point, it's too late. Because then you fall in the same trap as the big business where you're so invested. You have structures, you have machines, you have relationships. And backtracking becomes very, very difficult, if not impossible. Mm. So we then had to go, oh, well, can we then start to build a network of mentors around us that share our values? Can we train them? Can we give them the toolkits and support for them to go on and support businesses? And that kind of works. But then the next step with the entrepreneurs, then they meet the investors. And the investors are off on another criteria as well. Yeah. And again, as I said, we live in good times. Thankfully, there are lots of impact investors now, mm. but it's not all of them. And your average startup doesn't necessarily go an impact investor. And when they hit their investors, then if all they're ever asked about is their financial return, then they start to cut corners. They start to do things just to hit the metrics and so on. So there's a whole education support change piece that needs to come from the Mm. investment community. And government and policy is in there as well. They say all the right words. But I kind of see I'm involved in several uh, public funded projects around acceleration and incubation. Sorry, sorry. Buzzwords. <laughs> what? <laughs> you say these things and I go, no, hold on. <laughs> Do you not think call the midwife with incubation? Um, I mean, my brain did kind of go to incubators, but I kind of then go, I'm pretty sure that's not what we're on about, which is why the minute the business speech buzzwords begin, I'm like, no. <laughs> No, absolutely. Think about it like putting chicken eggs in an incubator where the chicks are going to pop up. But here you put startups, teams that think they have a business, you put them in in the incubator and either they pop up with a startup and a business that's potentially going somewhere or they never do and they're done. And acceleration is really you take them by the hand and you try and run alongside them, hoping they will go faster. I love it because I've got views of chickens now (laughs) running really fast. I have chicken (laughs) running my hands. I I think it's a a pretty good metaphor, actually, because that's how it is. There's a lot of flapping and the the running isn't particularly fast. (laughs) (laughs) So it's that kind of uh, confusing type uh, thing. But, you know, the way that these business kind of, and particularly their startup teams, they're not always businesses, but sometimes they are. But the way they're invited into these programs, Mm. they say a lot about what's going to be impact and sustainability Mm. and what are you doing for Mm. the environment and what are you doing for society and so on. But it's, they're not very robust criteria. And at the other end, when they start pitching and they're about to be given money and additional support, the criteria is even weaker. 
Mm. And so I think there's something there about the way government measures how it gives out money to start up, who it gives it to, and how it measures its impact at the other end. That needs a, a nice rehaul as well. So all along, what then is de- kind of termed the entrepreneurial ecosystem, it's again, it's a system because it's all these different parts that do their bit, they kind of work together. We see when it all works together, you have great startups that are sustainable and creating impact and making all our lives better but they tend to not work so perfectly together Mm -hmm. and each one needs a fix and together, hopefully then that system works a little bit better. Mm. And so I was just thinking about um, lots of things that I've been hearing over, I don't know, past few months or maybe year about how um, we need to change our mindset in business to not just be, um, profit driven and growth orientated, but much more about values and things. And is that coming in here in terms that if you just go for profit and growth, then you can't do all the sustainability and things because it is just about cutting corners and trying to do things as cheap as chips? Yeah, pretty much. And if you see, and this is where saying some of the government policies sitting in on some of those uh, meetings, you see that. The subtext, sometimes overtly, but is always about we need more and more, faster and faster. Mm. Well, we can't all be more and more, faster and faster with one planet, since we're already using up about a planet and a half. We're supposed Mm. to be fitting back and reducing and shrinking back to the use of one planet, because we've only got one, surprise, surprise. But... That's not the narrative around supporting businesses and startups. We want more, and it's all about profit, growth, and employability. Mm. And you think, okay, but just as you're saying, the flip side of that is what we talk about is value creation and beyond Mm -hmm. profit. And therefore, if you're creating value for the environment and society, then that's a different proposition. It doesn't have to be monetary. You might be, you know, you might be creating employment, but you're actually might be creating benefit structures within society such that even with less employment, you're, you know, you're still getting the value without having to pay for it. And it's moving slightly away from the fact, you know, that notion that with value, we have to pay for everything. It doesn't have to have a monetary exchange. And I think that's really important. And you see that with social ventures, they get that. They get that they're going to have an environmental impact. They're going to have a social mm-hmm. impact. And maybe the profits are going to be reduced, but they're, what they do and the value they create all around them is so much more mm-hmm. than the profit they create. Mm-hmm. Investors don't always see that, though. So if you are a startup and going for uh, funding, that doesn't work. But there's also almost a bit of myth around funding. And I think, you know, you see Dragon's Den and so on. Everybody seems to have the idea that if you're going to have a startup, you absolutely must apply for funding. Mm. And yet, even we see here in Cambridge, which we have, you know, uh, the largest tech cluster outside of North America, half of the tech businesses in Cambridge have never raised funds. Mm. And so we need to kind of move away around that from this notion that we have to raise funds and pander to the investors who may mm. not be the right sort of investors just because we have to have those funds. And mm. that all now and now then we get into that whole entrepreneurial mindset, which is seeing where you want to go and then finding creative ways of getting there. And it doesn't have to be, I'm going to get all my money now because I'm going to pay my way all the way to where I need to be. 
And you Mm -hmm. then see these amazing examples of people who've managed to persuade a local business to give them an office that they don't have to pay for. So Mm -hmm. that's one tick. Now they have an office with, but they don't pay. So they didn't have to raise money to pay rent. End Mm -hmm. result is the same office furniture that's crowned from everywhere. So this is all this whole notion of beg, borrow and steal minus the steal (laughs) bit. Um, But doing these things means you're recycling, you're reusing, Mm. you don't Mm. have to raise the funds. And in many ways, you're actually even testing whether your idea is good, because unless you can sell whatever it is you've been set up to do, then you don't want to be raising millions to only down the line discover, ah, yeah, actually, well, our customers don't really want it. It might have been a clever tech, but it's an over-engineered solution Mm. to a non problem. So getting into that mindset of going, being creative, getting things done, getting to your first sales quickly is amazing. Some startups can even sell before they make. And that's a really luxurious position, but it's not unheard of. And it's the way to go going, okay, if you need something that I can make, but I can't make it till you pay me, we can arrive at some (laughs) arrangement and it works. So it's that sort of mindset going, how do we get it done? And so you hear a lot not quite a buzzword, but an unusual English word, but this notion of leveraging. So you don't always have to own your resources. You can just leverage them. As long as you have access to what you need and you can use it, then that's good enough. Mm-hmm. And so ownership, we need to let go of. Paying for stuff and everything has to have a monetary value. Also, we need to park a bit on the side. Mm-hmm. And so that means just letting go of quite a lot of ingrained cultural um, sort of ways, because I was just thinking just when you were talking about owning and thinking about you finishing your MA and yes. <laughs> going yes. out into the world <sighs> and even to the sort of thought of the fact that we're a country of home owners. We know we have this... <laughs> Uh, okay we used to be because we can afford to thank you but (laughs) that is a distant dream but that is but there you go so we have this issue of um our youngsters my youngster youngster. thank you uh Um, no i haven't since i was about seven but anyway (laughs) not being able to get on this property ladder and therefore this huge desire to get on the property ladder but we're quite we're not a not necessarily a usual or or typical country you know there are many others other countries and cities and things that don't have an ownership it is all renting. why are you going with this Sarah well just wondering whether the whole with businesses and things it is just that old mindset as you said and is it a case that we've just got to wait until they've all retired <laughs> Sarah really said kill them and then it'll be okay <laughs> But so is that a whole cultural shift then in business as well as in society to not go for this whole owning and having to have things? I mean, have you heard about the sharing economy? Because that's a whole thing is where we share everything. And that's even down to clothes. And that's been one of the biggest shifts is we usually own our clothes. Mm -hmm. But actually being able to borrow our clothes and return it as and when instead of buying the next one, having a subscription to clothes and things like that is something that's moving on. And there are these options, but it's everything is moving into that. I mean, timeshare in some ways was one of the earliest forms of that. You didn't own your holiday home, but you could go at a certain time of year. 
And there's there the new generations that are following that with the way they live and kind of that more of those digital nomads. But I was having a discussion about it with um, the Impact Women's Network, where we're looking at workplaces of the future. And there are certain workplace regulations that haven't caught up with COVID mm. even worse. You'd think most people are working from home. Home could be anywhere. But actually, organizations are going, oh, you've still got to be within the three mile radius. You've got to be in this country. I don't, mm. you know, I work at the university. And I can't give a short-term contract to someone who isn't based in the UK, even though they're giving virtual lectures to people in the UK. Mm-hmm. But you can't, we can't pay them because they're not here. Mm-hmm. And so there are, those are other archaic structures of going, if we're going to share, if we're going to be mobile, if we're going to be living wherever is most sustainable, we can't have workplaces that tell us, oh, you're not close enough. As my boss always reminds me when I say we live in good times, we do because it's so much better than it was, but we're also close to a crisis. So the speed at which we're going is not fast enough. Mm -hmm. We are Mm -hmm. much better than we were, but we need to be a lot better than we are now. Mm -hmm. And that, I mean, that must be uh, as well that uh, with with startups, you're talking about new businesses that haven't even started yet, then they can afford to think differently and do things differently. But we have the big beasts out there that are Ugh. not going to find it as easily to change. Um, and especially, I would have thought so a lot more in manufacturing and things like that, that it's very difficult then to change those processes. How do we lead for sustainability in those kinds of big beasts? So I think at several levels. So there are the likes of my colleagues and I, where we actually work for the Institute for Manufacturing. Mm -hmm. So we work with industry that want to do this. We have a sustainability association where big corporates that have bought into the ideas and have the values are coming to us and saying, how do we do this? And each factory is different, but it's doable, it's transformable, and they're doing that. There are those that don't want to engage. And those, there are us as consumers where we really do have to vote with our money mm. more. So where we can make the change, we do that. We give them signals. If, it, if their bottom line is hit, they will make changes. Some of them aren't in a position to make changes. And the question becomes is whether they should exist at all. Mm. And so supporting a startup that does something similar, but does it better and more sustainable is a really powerful way of making that support. Because if there is another young, agile, successful business, they will put pressure on the dinosaurs. Mm. So really knowing who to engage with becomes really important. And back to this idea of, you know, you as a person, you have some vote, but if you collect 10 of your friends, that's so much more powerful and they will tend 10 of their friends and so on. And then it snowballs. But supporting the startups is a really important thing that we can do because they're shaking things up. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. And as you said, in completely new ways. So instead of just buying from somewhere different, but joining then a sharing subscription for yep. something can make exactly. a big difference. Even looking at things like crowdfunding, because some of them have said, you know, we want to stick by our ideals. We're not going to go out to investors, but we still need the money and have gone out to crowdfunding. And they're mm. really, you, it, you can find some very interesting businesses that align with what you care for and mm. you help them in ways that they can't get from anywhere else. 
Mm. I'm going to crowdfund to get me a house. <laughs> there are some really interesting crowdfunding things out there. Oh, there are some weird ones There's out there. There's some really yeah, strange There are some ones. cool ones. There, there are. are some weird ones. <laughs> <laughs> and that can be difficult as well to be able to sort of hear and see those things because there is mm. so much out there that you don't know. And it relies on the people who had the money in the first place. And algorithms. Oh, God. Let's not get there. Let's it not be go so there. depressing Let's if we go there. Let's not go there. <laughs> okay, so we're talking about leadership. Are there any leaders that you admire for what they're doing for sustainability? Good question, Sarah. Like well done. Yeah, good. Excellent question. <laughs> there are the couple, there are the leaders that have also shone through COVID and uh, kind of that's Germany and New Zealand. And what do they have in common? In exactly. <laughs> Lo and behold. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> so they're, they've been particularly impressive. And the role of women has been, thankfully, finally, truly highlighted through COVID. Through the research, it's been for years now that the link between women at the table and sustainability and leading sustainability has been made. Um, women politicians are twice as likely to vote for sustainable uh, policies and mm -hmm. women on top management teams can mean that uh, businesses are five, six, sometimes seven times employed, five, six, seven times more environmental practices. So we're not really looking here at 20% or 30%, five, six, seven times more. And so really having the women at the top is important. Now, if you're talking about kind of admirable leaders, the number of CEOs leading big business is dismal. Mm -hmm. So there are very few of those clear cases where you look and you go, oh, wow. And so we really need to see more women on boards, more women CEOs, more women on leadership teams, but also in the pipeline. And back to this whole mindset and thinking things, when you see programs that are about diversity and inclusion and trying to build that uh, pipeline of women, there's always an underlying kind of whispering voice of, if only the women were a little more like men, you'd all do so much better. And you kind of go, no, 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 but that's not really what we're trying to do here. We're not no. trying to create more men, but that just are uh, have the right chromosomes. And you're going to go, okay, can we uh, move away from that? And the other one is we're going to help the women. We always need to be helped on the ladder. We need to be helped there. And you kind of go, <laughs> we don't need to be helped either. We're fine the way we are. Thank you very much. I can do it. Thank you. There's a lot of bristling. There's oh, a lot of bristling going on it's here. The day I've it's getting a bit painful. As well. There's just been a lot of that today where I've been like, okay. Are you I'm sure not, you can lift that? I'm not a damsel sure? in distress. I can lift the bag of coal you into sure? your car. It's quite heavy. Thank you. It's not heavy, actually. <laughs> I go to the gym and I lift more than that on a daily basis. So shut up. Oh, it's been one of those days. <laughs> it is no, but I think we all have lifetimes of uh, bristling. I still yes. get told. I mean, now it's maybe even worse. As I was younger and in, uh, at lower levels, I would quite accept my bosses to tell me how things need to be done. But now I've gotten to a point where I've designed something, I've come up with something, and it seems I've gone into the ether only for someone else to come back and tell me how it needs to be done. I'm going, yeah, I know. 
I designed that. (laughs) (laughs) But isn't that the best moment though? That's like when I'm in charge of the shop and somebody comes in, they're being really annoying. They're like, I'd like to speak to your supervisor. And it's like, (laughs) surprise, it's me. (laughs) Sometimes I'll do a dramatic, hello, (laughs) just for the sake of it. But sometimes I feel like the Pratt, if, when, you know, particularly yeah. when it's the same person and it happens several times, I keep going, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, I know. I did yeah. that. You know, yeah, yeah I that, know. That that's came when you me. do the, that's interesting. So when did you learn that? Because I actually created that one. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So there's definitely that. So yeah, in turn, not lots of um, admirable people, but admire one thing I've kind of I'd always, I'd, I'd spoken to a colleague about, potentially writing a book called The Hidden Face of Cambridge. There's lots of really interesting women that we don't see and we don't hear about. And you see it within um, the startups. There was, for example, the Cambridge Temperature Concepts. They were three founders. You only ever saw the CEO who was the man, but there were two awesome women behind him. And you kind of go, okay, he's a third of that mm. partnership. And there's, there was more like that, a lot in within the support systems that people who help businesses come up, who are brokering investments, supporting investors, giving good advice, the teachers, the mentors. There's a lot of uh, phenomenal women. And again, back to women seeming to have this affinity to sustainability, they bring that in. So I'm hoping that that kind of will be further and further um, infused unless we manage to turn all the women into little men and in which case I think we're losing quite a lot of advantage (laughs) (laughs) and so then thinking about how we can lead for sustainability the the more we can bring women into those top um, top roles the better the sustainable uh, possibilities for the business will be as well yeah getting investors, businesses, customers, partners, all to listen slightly differently to see that there is a distribution among men. You know, men are not all one thing. Women are not all one thing. And it, we are actually glorious in our diversity. That That is important. And that's where part of that transformation is going to come. Again, if we've got to do things we've never done before and think about things we've never thought before in ways we haven't done before, well, we all need to be made up slightly differently than we were before. Mm. And if it's all about the middle-aged white men leading the charge, well, that's only one way of doing things. Mm. And they have their strengths. But what about everything else? Mm. And how are we going to collectively make that change since we also don't know where the pressure points are? We need to change the system in many ways at the same time. It isn't, again, Linia, we haven't got a little checklist that goes, right, we're going to change that one, check, we're going to change that one, mm. check, and we're going, you know, we'll be done in five years. We just don't know. And time is an issue because it's some of the systems that you're talking about that are broken, like management, sort of leadership systems, I can't imagine that we can change them overnight. And yet we've got to deal with this climate pretty damn quick yeah and the same with um kind of biodiversity animals we're losing species Mm. by the minute and the hour and there are many that are many many hundreds that have gone never to come back so there's there for things like that we've missed the boat we're too late and others we don't have time and but Thinking differently, you can do at any age. So, mm. and, and it's nice to see that people are 
changing, but bringing in that those different voices. And if current leaders can create space for the future leaders to come up now, because it's also an intergenerational thing. I think it's unfair and unwise to only rely on the established leadership that tends mm. to be older and to do it. We're seeing how the young, even the teens, you know, and it's not just Greta, but at schools and so on. And they have the most amazing ideas because again, they see the world as mm. it can be, not as it is. So we have to kind of break away from a lot of shackles and it's got to be intergenerational, interracial, intergender, inter-everything. The more diverse, the more we have a chance of something actually happening. So if I'm going to start up a new business, which I'm not, but if I was, I was going to say, you're busy enough. What would be the things that I would be looking at to help to grow my business in a sustainable way? Not just the recycling and mindset but thinking about all of the systems and how you sort of work to create the best so let's try and follow the rule of three what would be the three most important things one is you need to take a really good hard honest look at yourself and check whether what you're doing is really solving a problem a real problem a real global problem and not some trendy, fashionable, something that might make you a lot of money. But actually, the first thing is, are you doing something that truly matters and is going to create an impact? And as you scale, will you make the world a better place? Mm -hmm. Not another ice cream flavor, I'm afraid. And certainly not another bleeping app. (laughs) (laughs) Then, so that's what you're doing. Then you really need to think about how you're doing it. And this is where you start looking at those notions of value. Are you creating value? Who are you creating it for? And that's the easy bit. But as you continue looking down in that space of value, you start looking, is there other value that I could be creating that I'm not creating? So that's these notions of missed value. So you're looking at where are these missed opportunities that you could add uh, value And then unintended consequences. And that's about Mm. really destroying value. You might be doing really good in one area, but you're destroying something else. Oh, we're in the good place again. We're in the good place. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) So what value are you creating? For whom? What are you missing? And most importantly, what are you destroying? And for whom? So that starts to... uh, And you can take that in as small baby steps as you can, that it really is, I'm doing this. Oh, I could be doing that as well. You add it on. So um, what should we say? Something like I'm creating a business that solves hunger, you know, the um, child, the, 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 the school meals crisis that we had. So I created a new business where I found a way to deliver nutritious meals to every child in the country so that no child goes hungry. And while I'm at it, I'm employing uh, single moms that can work from home, flexible hours, reducing their carbon footprint. So my primary goal is met. I've added value to society as well. And I'm going to design some uh, biodegradable packaging to deliver all these things in so the environment's happy um, as well. Now, if in the process 
the food that I'm delivering is not particularly healthy. Mm. Uh, although I did say it was going to be healthy at the beginning. So mm. I'm fine, it's healthy, but it's going to put out, it's going to put some local farmers and other people out of business because I'm buying it all from New Zealand. Mm. Then we start to go, okay, so I've done the packaging, but I've got all the um, air or sea miles that I'm putting in. I've killed the local farmers because I've got it from abroad. I might bring things depending on how um, legally I'm bringing things in. Am I also importing pests or something else? And suddenly there are all these other consequences mm -hmm. because maybe I thought getting every all my fruits and veg from New Zealand was cheaper than getting locally, mm. which actually is probably true. Mm. You know, um, mm. Many times New Zealand apples are uh, cheaper than, I don't know, local tomatoes. So mm. we need to be careful on how that uh, goes. So what you're doing, how you're doing it, and the third one is who you're doing it with. Mm. Because just like us, you know, so potentially supporting the startups versus the corporates, who we partner up with as a startup mm. is also supporting, promoting, bringing in, giving legitimacy or undermining ourselves. So that notion of our supply chain, who do we get mm. what from is really important, but also the same thing with the money. So who we work with can be where we get our investors from, who our mentors are, where we got our education, who our supply chain matters is. So that's the little piece that's a little bit outside ourselves and where we don't quite want it to be entirely birds of a feather flock together because you don't want any kind of shared group mentality, but a shared value mm. where if you're all, again, pulling in that same direction, each one does their bit and collectively then we're a real force for good. Mm. Mm. Which is a, must be that real attention to detail because you are then looking, you know, so far down, you know, it's not just who you're dealing with, but who they're dealing with and everything else that sort of links to all of that. True. But again, as we said, you know, baby steps, at least figure out who you're dealing with. And mm. when you're comfortable with that, start thinking about who they're dealing with. But in the first step, I mean, I've heard startups that say, oh, we're, we, you know, we just want to work with whoever's going to work with us now. And then we'll figure out who the shared values are we can build. And you go, well, no, it doesn't work that way because A, you can be tied in, but B, you're building your brand. And if you're already known to work with the wrong people, then that's not good for you. But what's potentially worse is if you work with people and then ditch them when you think you found someone better, that's not a great reputation to have either. You want to be known for working with the right people, for building long lasting relationships that people can trust you. And then they know that when they get into trouble, you'll be, you'll have their back. You, you can't keep switching people out. So you've got to pick them right. It's a bit like a marriage, but it's a, what is it? It's like one of those, well, not, um, polygamous things you have many marriages and you need to make them all work <laughs> i think we should resist and going down that little polyamorous relationship anyway <laughs> well thank you shima it's been really interesting i have thoroughly enjoyed you've got I, do you know, I've really enjoyed I it. It's really refreshing. I want it in a tall glass, orange slices, ice and a straw. Oh, yeah. Mm. 
nice. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. And I do like, because it is, it hasn't got um, sweeteners or anything no, in no. there as well. Yeah. So it's just really easy to drink. Yeah. So well, it's been I'm glad a- you've liked it. I've enjoyed mine as well. Oh, good. Excellent. Good. Thank you so much for chatting to us. Thank you. Oh, you two have been super. been absolutely oh. fantastic. Okay, so leading for sustainability. Mindset. Yeah, it is all about viewing the world as it could be for the Not future. as it currently is. And it's about putting more women in positions of power. Because we care more about the environment. But also not just women, but again, the diversity. Having that diversity in management, in those leadership positions, so that we can look at the world from all the different angles, Mm -hmm. but very much on not just what do we do, what do we do at the moment, what do we currently do, but what could we do? And supporting startups. Yeah. And newbies instead of the big corporate people. But startups and newbies that are starting with new enterprises to put value, you know, really focused on what are they going to do for society? What are they going to do to provide something that's going to help people? I do a podcast with my stepdaughter. (laughs) Is this helping society? Uh, (laughs) I'm not sure it is. (laughs) Well, it's more sustainable mind. Depends on the um, episode. No, diversity of stuff. Do you know a diversity of stuff? No, because I reduce, reuse and Ah, recycle stuff from my brain. Very well done. Well done. Yes. Excellently played. Um, So how do we lead? A transformation towards sustainable systems. We've got to think about who we're working with. Yes. Our mindset. Um, and, you know, really making sure that we're working with the right people, with the right values. Thinking about how we, what we're doing, who we're working with, and how we do it. Indeed. And all sustainability all the way through it. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Well put. Very succinct. So that's what we're going to go and how do How sustainable now. of you. Are we? Yeah. Okay. I'm just going to go to bed. I'm always going to think about what I'm going to do, who I'm going to do it with, (laughs) and how I'm going to do it. Amen to that. I think we'd better cut that. Might be a bit later. Should we do a proper ending? No, I wouldn't use that one. That was so good. I hope you enjoyed that little episode. You got to the end, so hopefully you did. (laughs) That's very true. (laughs) Well done. (laughs) If you'd like more content from us, you can follow us on Instagram. You can. And you'll also find our chief gin taster, the gin monkey, with tasting notes of all the gins that we're tasting in the series. Go on to Instagram, so it's worth following. Yeah, yeah. Topic gin. Topic gin. Same on Twitter. Same on Twitter. Send us a little tweet. Yeah, we're on Facebook too. Topic Gin, keeping it all nice and simple. And you can email us. You can, if you want, at hello at ginandtopic.com. If you click subscribe as well, that would be really handy. Reviews, tell people. for you to do. And we'll be back next week. With another episode. I know. And another guest. And another gin. Yay. And don't forget to join me and Emma in our tasting room on Sunday and she can tell us all about the gin.